All right, tell me if you can finish, finish the phrase, okay? With great privilege comes great responsibility. You've heard that, yeah? With great privilege comes great responsibility. I would think that's a, that's a true axiom. If you have great privilege, you have great responsibility. That's true with our spiritual riches, isn't it? We have spiritual riches, and if you've been with us and you've been studying in Ephesians, you realize that Ephesians chapter 1, 2, 3 are all about our, our tremendous spiritual riches that we already have if we're in Christ. We have spiritual riches. And with those spiritual riches come serious responsibilities, practical responsibilities. And if you know Ephesians, you know that Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 are about our responsibilities. So that's one way to read it. We're going to sing some more? Like, no? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're bringing me my little table there, for with, with, which I can't preach without. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Um, so we have these responsibilities. Of course we do. But if you read it another way, there's, a, there's another way to see it. There's an additional way to see it. There's an additional truth in it. And that's it. With great privilege come great possibilities as well. In other words... If you, when you read Ephesians 1 and 2 and 3 and you see all the, res, the, the privileges that we have in Christ, and then you have commands that are given to us and specific practical steps that should be taken in 4, 5, and 6, what you realize is not only should we, but we can. We're going to be empowered. We're going to have the ability to do the things that Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 say because we're empowered by the God who gifted us with the things that he's given us in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. And that brings us to today's message, which I'm calling walking tips. Walking tips. How many walkers do we have in the house today? If your name is Walker or if you are a walking person. Walk, you walk. Yes. I'd like, to, like you to join me in walking. That's good for you. So I watched a video on walking a while ago. And the walking video, I think it's called, you should look this up, but please don't look it up right now because of all the fascinating things I'm about to tell you. But you want to look up sometime uh, 23 and a half hours. There's a video, and it's called 23 and a half hours. And the idea in the video is just simply all the tremendous benefits that come physically to you if you take 30 minutes a day and you walk. Now, there you go. So I decided I'm going to walk 30 minutes a day, and I have found tremendous physical benefits from simply walking 30 minutes a day. Now, there are some powerful benefits, incredible benefits that we're going to see today in the simple things that we see, in the practical things that we see in Ephesians chapter 5, which is where we are today as we're working our way through the book of Ephesians and preaching through the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be preaching from Ephesians 5, 1 through 21 today, and you're going to see that it is full of very practical things that we have the ability to do if we're in Christ. And we have the potential to do if we're in Christ. And it's only reasonable that we would be expected to do them if we're in Christ. And these things are beautiful. And so let's take a look at them. I'll read the text first. I'll show you these three things. And then I have a story to tell you you won't believe today. All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Now, I, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be reading the text right now, but I love that so much. We're called his, what there? Beloved. Do you guys get that? Yeah, you ever have a child in your life that you just totally adore? 
You just totally adore. You love them. Everybody got a child in your life like that? Sure you do. Many of you do, right? Hopefully you were a loved child. But I will tell you this. If you're in Christ, you are a beloved child. And so it says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. You're going to see three ways to walk here today. That's the first one. Walk in love. And then we have an example of that love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. This is about the cross, right? A fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Walk in love, beloved children. Like Jesus, be imitators of God. Like Christ loved us, gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all purity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among Jesus' followers, saints. Let therefore, let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. In other words, people that are given over to that aren't, aren't believers. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. That's the walk in love section, right? Now we're going to get into the walk in light section. That's the second. Therefore, don't become partakers with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Walk in love. Walk in... You got it. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But, but when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. And therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now we're going to get to the third kind of walking. This is going to be walking in wisdom. Verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the, uh, to, in, in, to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is, uh, this is a beautiful text, isn't it? Uh, let's look at these three ways of walking. We won't take a long time on them. But you notice the first one is that we are to walk in love. And, it, and then it specifically says the world that we're living in is a, is, a, is a morally dirty world. In a dirty world, a morally filthy world, we can walk in love. In Ephesus, first century, uh, Ephesus was morally filthy place. There was immorality. It was common immorality. And in our culture, without harping on things, let's be honest, when you look around our culture and you, you watch the movies and the television and you listen to the, just the, you know, the, the banter, it's become a very 
immoral culture. Sex, sexual immorality is becoming very, very rampant, right? And so we have a similar culture that they had. But we don't have to yield to that. We don't have to let that defeat us. We can walk in love in a dirty world. God will, because we have the wherewithal to do that. We have the, we have the power to do that in the Lord. We don't have to be defeated by immorality. Sexual immorality, verse 3. All impurity are covetousness, which is probably covetousness in the context of immorality. It would be often the way the Bible expresses, for instance, you should not commit adultery or covet another man's you know, wife or daughter, God forbid. And then it says, um, it's not proper among saints. And you know this, that, that in, in common language, people say saints are special people in the church, and we believe in special people in the church. But in biblical language, saints just means every rank and file believer is to be a holy one, a saint. So if you know the Lord is your Savior, you're, you're being called a saint, and you're supposed to act like a saint, and I'm supposed to act like a saint. And the Bible is saying, you can act holy. You can live holy. You can walk in love instead of in lust in a world that's dirty. And that's what it's saying there. And it goes on and says, don't even talk about it. Let me talk dirty. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place. So filthiness... Foolish talk, crude joking are inappropriate for people who are holy ones, saints. Even if they live in a dirty world, it is possible not to be infected by that, to to let that get in your language. Maybe you're saying, like, I struggle with that. I know people who struggle with that. They they sincerely struggle with it, you know. And and I think there are people that say they're struggling, and they're not struggling too hard. But there are people who honestly do, because maybe they were raised in a situation where crude talk was, was common, and so, you know, words will slip out. I was talking with a fellow this week, and he knew he was talking to a pastor, and he was a wonderful man, and I just noticed a word just kind of came out. I could tell he was like, oops, you know. But I imagine, you know, he, that's something he is working on. Now, if you're working on that, I want to give you a tip. How do you talk clean and pure? If you're really sharp, you saw this already in the text. What do you do? It's in the text. I'm just going to wait for you to find Somebody's going to tell me what it is. Instead, do what? What's it say? In the text. You've got to look in the Bible there. Go ahead and look at your Bible there, all right? Yes, Thanksgiving. You, instead, Brian, thank you. Instead of filthy talk and foolish talk and coarse jesting, get in the habit of saying thank you to God for stuff. Isn't that great? It's that whole displacement thing again. It's that, you know, hot dogs or steak, like we were talking about last week. You don't have to use filthy language. You can be thankful. You can use, you can grace people with your tongue. You can say, oh, there are all kinds of good things to say. And so this is a dirty world we live in, and we grace people with our loving talk. The things that we say should be edifying. They should be useful. They should be good. They should be loving. This is becoming for saints. This is the way saints behave. In verse 5, for you may be sure of this, everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let me hasten to add, you need to understand, what is it they say, like every sinner has a past, Right? Every saint has a future. Every saint has a past. That's it. Every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. The Bible isn't saying that people who are believers never fail or never have failed in any of these areas. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, and such were some of you, but you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified. Maybe you have in your life, in your past, or maybe in your right now, a dark struggle maybe nobody knows about. And you really have struggled against it all your life. And you feel guilty about it. And the devil condemns you. I want to tell you something today. That doesn't have to defeat you. 
That does not, if you have some deliverance from that, say amen right there. That does not have to defeat you. It is possible for you to live victorious in Christ. It is possible for you to overcome that and live pure because God can empower you to do that. He can empower you to live a pure life. And that's what this text is saying. You don't have to yield to that. And you may think, I have to. This is so hard. This is so dark. This is so difficult. I can't overcome it. I would just say, you're right. You can't overcome it. But you keep yielding to God. You stay in the fight. And if you are in the fight, if you're a believer and you're in your fight and you're struggling against indwelling sin, this passage is not talking about you. That's not what we're talking about. What this passage is talking about is when you give yourself over to sin and you're unrepentant about that and you're not intreatable about that and you're not broken and grieved when you sin, it may be evidence, right? It is evidence that you really don't have the life of God in you. And the, and the Bible says it in the most unvarnished terms, the wrath of God is coming against the children of disobedience. This is very serious language. And so I would just like, I want to warn you, but I also want to inspire you to just yield yourself to the Lord. And then what will happen is in those areas of your life that seem like you can't have victory over them, it's amazing how powerful God is. And he can give you victory over the darkest things and help you and deliver you. And he may do it quickly or he may do it over time, but he'll do it. He's faithful that way. So we walk in love in a dirty world. And there, that's why then it says, and let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partners with them. And then we get to the next kind of walking. And that is, you know, we live in a dark world too. And dark in this context, of course, it can mean spiritual ignorance. But I think if you read the context carefully, you realize that what it's kind of referring to here is just the difference between good and evil. You've got an evil world that's characterized or symbolized by darkness. We just live in a dark, evil world. There's brokenness. There's fallenness all around us. You don't have to look that far to see it. It's not just out in them. That brokenness is also in us. We all struggle against it. Even nice people in the church, all of us, are struggling against that, you know, that wrestling match of the indwelling sin, if we know the Lord. But in the world, they have no hope without Christ. And therefore, it says, verse 7, Therefore, do not be partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Here it is. Walk as children of the light. Now, when I say walk, when the scriptures say walk here, it's important that we understand it's using a really precise term and it's repeating it over and over again. And it's helpful to understand what it means, walk. You know, obviously, walk means it's something you do and you repeat. You know, when you walk, you do the same thing about, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, right? It's just simple. One foot in front of the other, hundreds of times. That's what the scriptures are saying. We live, we just continually obey the Lord. I love even when it's hard and then I love again. Even when it's hard and when I fail and then I love again. And then when I don't want to love, I love again. And I keep loving. And I keep walking. And, and, and so it is with light. Doing good and right. Whatever's good and right and pure. I do it once. I do it again. The Spirit inspires me. The Spirit empowers me. I'm walking with the Lord. Meaning, this is the way my life is. You can have a life like this. Please believe God for that. You can have a life like this. God can deliver you from whatever it is that keeps you under Satan's condemnation. God can deliver you from whatever it is that keeps you feeling defeated. You don't have to live that way. You have the potential in Christ to walk in love and to walk in light. Amen? So we have, listen, it says, For the fruit of light is found in all that is, I love this, good and right and true. And so you have a definition of light there. What's, what's good and light and true is light. What's good and right and true is light, right? 
what, what's, yeah, and so uh, what's bad and wrong and false is darkness. And we don't have to walk in darkness. And it says, try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. Very beautiful, right? Lord, is this pleasing to you? Just stop before you say something. Stop before you do something. And have that sense, coram deo, living in the presence of God. God, you're listening. Is this pleasing to you? I heard a fellow that was preaching. He had a, had a message he was going to preach. And, and uh, he's not a well-known pastor. And he was preaching at a, a large conference, though. And so he was invited to this large conference. And that was a, you know, it was a real honor for him to get to go to that conference. And he said, when he got to thinking about the conference, he realized that the wife of a very prominent, popular pastor was going to speak after him. And he realized that that pastor, that has a world-renowned pastor, was going to be sitting in the audience. And he thought to himself, oh, no, this pastor is sitting in the audience. And then while he was preparing, it's like the Holy Spirit said, I'm always sitting in the audience. I'm always listening to everything you say. Hey, listen, you and I, it helps us a lot when we remember, wait a minute, our every thought, our every word, our every deed, our every step, they're all lived, quorum Deo, in the presence of God. We walk in the presence of God. We live in the presence of God. God is with us to help us. God is with us to comfort us. God is with us to strengthen us. God is with us to encourage us. He is with us. He's God Emmanuel, God with us. Imagine that. And so it is when you want to live a holy life, God is with you to help you live a holy life. So grateful to know that. We're not struggling alone against these powers of darkness, these forces of evil within us. We have the power of God, the Holy Spirit indwelling a believer. You don't have to be defeated by sin. You have the potential in Christ to live a holy life like a saint should live. Talk the way you ought to talk. Live the way you ought to live. Love the way you ought to love. Walk in in love and walking in the light. This is what the scriptures promise us here. And it says this. It says, and, and it says, and try, this, I'm in verse 10. And try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord and take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Expose them. So there you go. Now here's the question. How, do, how does God expect us to expose the sinful works of darkness? How are we supposed to do that? It's a good question, isn't it? If you say, okay, God, I'm ready to help expose the works of darkness, what would come to your mind? Here's what I would suggest to you. Let's just keep reading now. Let's keep reading the text, and let's see in the text if we're given a means of exposing the dark deeds around us. And we are, okay? So now we're in verse 10, and it says, try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Instead, expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It would be easy to overlook what it's saying there. What's the practical thing that has to happen in order for dark deeds to be exposed? The light has to shine. So what is the light? Okay, the dark is evil deeds. So the light is what? It's good deeds. So in other words, when you honestly and love your wife and you don't yield to lust or, God forbid, adultery or sexual immorality or filthy talking, you're living a light life. You're walking in the light. You're walking in love. And the very presence of that kind of life is what exposes the darkness. They see that life and it just 
turns the lights on everywhere. It's as simple as walking in the light, in walking, in, a, in living, in continual, repeated obedience to the Lord. It's what our world needs. Our world needs a candle on every street. Our, 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 our world needs a, a home that's a lighthouse in every neighborhood in America. And your marriage and your parenting and your behavior and even your confession of sin need to be, this is what it looks like for a person who, who walks in the light, who lives in the light, who loves God. And that's what the scriptures are teaching, that we can't expose the, the evil deeds by just simply turning on the light of a life lived for God. And that, that kind of helps us. It's very practical. Now here's a third tip. We, we not only walk in love, but we also walk in the light in other words, good deeds and so forth. And the third thing is we walk carefully. We walk in wisdom. We're walking, obviously, in love in a dirty world, right? We're walking in light in a dark world. And we are walking in wisdom in a dangerous world. And we are in a dangerous world. It's like a minefield. The world that we live in for us and for our children is a spiritual minefield. Don't kid yourself. There is an evil one. And he's at work everywhere to do his business. And we would have to arm ourselves... And walk, you know, you, you have a Bible version that probably says, I kind of like the word, walk circumspectly. If you have an old version of the Bible, you like to look up the words. Once they're in your vocabulary, they are really kind of powerful words, lasciviousness and circumspection and all of that. Look them up and they're very meaningful. This is one, you know, this be circumspect means go around. It's like a minefield. When you're walking, young people, hear me. When you're living in this world, there are a lot of traps out there for you. They're out there. They want to just, do you understand Satan wants to suck you into hell? And if he can't, he wants to destroy you. He wants to hurt your life. He wants you to keep from being honest to your parents. He wants you to keep from living a life above reproach. He wants to keep from God blessing you. He wants to keep you from having a life that's beautiful and has the fragrance of God upon it. And if he can do that, he'll do that. He'll work in every way to discourage you. Do not let him do that. But be careful and walk in wisdom in this world. Not just young people, but all of us. we got to realize we have a very deceitful enemy that is trying to hurt us. He's trying to destroy us. He's trying to harm us. He's trying to divide. We can't let him do that with us. What we have to say is, okay, I'm going to walk with wisdom. I'm going to walk with circumspection. I'm going to live like this is a minefield of danger, and I'm going to be careful. Now, let's see how that plays out in the scriptures. Look carefully, verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. And therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In, in the scriptures, you know, often we think, what is God's will? Like, it's a great mystery, you know, and, and, and it's out there, and we're thinking about, you know, his providential guidance, and we get kind of fixed on that. Well, that's a beautiful thing. But the Bible expresses specifically what his will is in his revealed will in the Bible. And really, frankly, that's the main thing we should be spending our time on, right? Isn't that right? Have you noticed this? If you've walked with the Lord for a while, you know that if you ask help from the Lord to get you to do what the Bible says is already expressed to be his will, that's 99% of the battle right there, right? This is why it says in the passage here, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and don't get drunk with wine. That leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's not God's will for you to cave in to immoral living and it's not god's will for you to cave into drunkenness and these are important things in ephesus they were important and guess what in good old downriver us of a they're important still 
They're not the only sins, but they're major things that hurt people. They really are. Immorality, drunkenness, drug abuse, stuff like that. Listen, you know, right? They, wreck, they crash and burn people's lives. They hurt people. Well, here's the deal. If you're here today and you're wrestling with that, all of us have wrestled with something, right? We're not here to condemn you. We're here to tell you. We're here to tell you that the Bible says nobody in the world has this answer, but Jesus does. You can be delivered from that stuff. You don't have to live in bondage to drugs. You don't have to live in bondage to drink. You don't have to live in bondage to pornography. You don't have to live in bondage to adultery. There's a way to make things right. There's a way to live the rest of your life in purity. God can and will empower you because you have great privileges. You have great responsibilities. You have great potential in the Lord. But you've got to give yourself to the Lord. Confess your sins. Receive Christ as your Savior. Believe the promises of God. That's the beginning of a whole new life for you. That you can walk in love. You can walk in light. You can walk in wisdom. You can walk, think about this, you can walk in love in a dirty world, you can walk in light in a dark world, you can walk in wisdom in a dangerous world, and that's what the scriptures promise. You can do that. Trust him. Say, God, okay, here I am. I, I'm giving myself to you. You're going to have to do this for me and in me. He will. He will. Now, now go, notice what he says here in verse 19, don't get drunk with wine, which for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, if you've ever read that, does that seem like it's odd and out of place to anybody? Now, it's always seemed odd and out of place. You have this big high talk, you know, you've got all this wonderful high, you know, theology and so forth. And then you all of a sudden have this kind of crass, like, don't be drunk with wine. Like, where did that come from? Where did that don't be drunk with wine come from? I, I believe that what we have, like, in, in this phrase, is one of those places in the Bible where if you understand, if you do a little bit of study and understand the culture of the day, it kind of brings greater light to the passage. And the, and the, the, the people there, some of them, would, they had a number of gods they worshipped, including Dionysus or Bacchus, which were the gods of wine. And they didn't just believe that they worshipped these gods of wine, but that if they got drunk, they would get spiritual ecstasy. Now that makes a lot more sense, right? Paul's saying to these people, hey, listen, in, in the context of the Holy Spirit, it says, don't be drunk with wine, that leads to debauchery. Can I get an amen on that? Man, you know that, right? Some of you know. That leads to debauchery. But what? Instead, what? This is where you get spiritual ecstasy. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. God can do what no drug can give you. No drink can give you. No vice can give you. Only God can do that when you are under the control of the Holy Spirit. And what does that look like in a beautiful way? And how do I, how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? The scriptures begin immediately telling us how. By addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord like we are doing today. Those songs contribute to our being spirit-filled. And then giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's another way to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And submitting to one another in reverence for God. Our treatment of other people is a reflection of our reverence for God. And there's what it says, and it goes into the marriage thing next. We're going to talk about that next. What a beautiful passage. How beautiful is it? I saw an example of this over a number of years of my life that came in God's amazing providence to fruition this week, and I want to tell you about it. So settle in while I tell you a story that I hope you will never forget. When I was just a little boy, my mother would put me to bed at night, and, she, and sometimes my dad was in Vietnam, and sometimes he was home, and maybe at seminary or working, and my mom would put, put us in bed. And then my mom, who just loved the Lord so much, really wanted to be a blessing to us. So she would, she would go in and she would play the piano and she would sing songs. Other times, she would play her records. 
Now, if you're young, you don't know what records are, but old people, they're like big CDs. But anyway, so my mom would put on these records, and, she, and because we were, didn't have a lot of money, we didn't have a lot of records, mom had Gloria Rowe, and she had Larry Whiteford, and she had Helen Barth. And Helen Barth sang with a beautiful and powerful spirit-filled interpretation, so beautifully. And the truth of it is interesting because Helen Barth's husband, Reinald Barth, they call him Rainey, he started preaching when he was really, really young. And when he was about, I think about 18 years old, he went to Dewajak, Michigan, and he started a church called Calvary Bible Church in Dewajak, Michigan. Now, one day he was listening to the radio and he heard Helen Barth, a single girl at Moody Bible Institute, singing on the radio. And he decided that it would be the will of God because they had a lot of young people who needed care to invite this young lady to his church to sing for the young people. Well, everybody loves a romance. That romance ended in a wedding at Moody Church with about 1,700 people present because of Helen Barth's popularity singing on the radio. So later on, down the road, a family came to town to Dwajak, Michigan with a broken family, all broken up in divorce and heartache and sadness. And uh, that, the woman in that family was my grandmother, Charlotte Shipley. And she went to that church, and she got saved. She went to a funeral, heard the gospel, and my grandmother got saved. And then, you guys probably know the story, I've told it before. My grandmother my grandfather, who at the time divorced, they reunited and they were remarried. And they started to live for the, church, for the Lord in Dwajak Bible Church. Now, my mother then, of course, always took an interest in Helen Barth, because Helen Barth was the wife of the pastor that founded the Calvary Bible Church in Dwajak, Michigan. Well, a number of years later, I, I remember Helen Barth, but then her kind of music kind of passed into not commonly played on the radio. And to be honest with you, I thought she wasn't living anymore. And one day I was at a big convention, and Al Smith, who's a, a hymnologist, a hymn history guy, was leading the music. And he got up and he said, today we have a special guest, Helen Barth. And up to the podium walks this gracious, beautiful elderly woman with white hair and she sings and it just broke my heart because I thought I remembered that voice from my childhood here is Helen Barton she's still alive I didn't know she was still alive she's very much alive in God's sweet providence if you fast forward the tape a few years of our life I was up in the character inn and I was the manager of the character inn and my brother Nathan who happens to be a piano player just happened to be there that day and we were getting ready for Nathan to come when I got a phone call and the phone call, they said, hey, we have a special guest that would like to tour the inn. Helen and Rainey Barth are here in town, and they would like a tour of the inn. And I said, absolutely not. They cannot come here. They cannot stay in this inn unless they're willing to give us a concert tonight in the lobby. So they came. They agreed to give us a concert in the lobby. And I will tell you, if I had a video of that, it would be the most precious possession because here is this elderly lady in her 80s who so had the Spirit of God on her singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. She started to tell her testimony as she sang her songs. And one of the things that she said was, when I went to Moody Bible Institute, I couldn't go to a regular college because I didn't have the money because my family was broken up. My dad was a drunken abuser. And my mom had to leave him, and so we didn't have the money to go to a regular college. But I heard about this place called Moody Bible Institute, which was tuition paid, and I realized I could go there. So Helen goes to 
Moody Bible Institute, Helen McElraney, goes to Moody Bible Institute and in freshman orientation, and while she's standing there in fresh, sitting in freshman orientation at Moody, some of the girls got up and gave their testimony, and she was brokenhearted because when she heard their testimonies of faith in Christ, she realized she was not a Christian. And she, the first thought was, they're going to kick me out. When they find out I'm not a Christian, I'll have to go home. She really thought that. But then she thought, wait, I could run to my room, I could get down on my knees, I could pray to receive Christ, and maybe they'll let me stay. They let her stay. She not only stayed at Moody Bible Institute, but eventually her voice was recognized, and she sang one day. And this is the story that she told us. She was standing by the piano and the character in that night. She said, when I got done singing one day, I was walking out, and a young man walked up to me, and he said to me, did you used to sing in a dance band? And she said, yes, I did. He said, I I could tell by the way you sang. Back to her room, she went down on her knees, and here's what she said. She said, God, I want to consecrate my voice to you. I don't want to sing for anything else. I don't want to sing for anybody else. I only want to sing for you. He had put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and put their trust in the Lord. I will, tr- I will give my voice to God. And so she did. She was singing on Moody Radio thereafter, and she would sing live in the afternoon, Thursday afternoon. One day, they said, you have a very important visitor that would like to meet you. He heard you singing on the radio. I think you're going to want to meet him. And so she goes out of the lobby, and there was Tommy Dorsey. He was a famous band leader of the time. And he said to her, I've been listening every Thursday to your singing on the radio, and I've come to offer you an opportunity to sing. I can't really make you famous all over the world. I'd like you to come and sing uh, with us. She said, to him in a very gracious way. He has put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and put their trust in the Lord. I can't do it. I have to sing for the Lord. And she did. And she went around the world singing for the Lord. My mother told me, she said, Helen Barth was my voice teacher, meaning mom would listen to her on the radio and then she would mimic the way she sang. Helen Barth was a mentor for my mom from afar. Helen Barth was a heroine from afar. In her adult life, my mother never met Helen Barth. But this week, I got a call from Helen Barth's daughter. And she said, Mama went home to be with the Lord. And the Lord put it on our heart to ask you to come and to give the eulogy at the funeral. And I was absolutely shocked. Why me? My wife, why you? Why me? The only answer I can give was that was a smiling promise of God. And whatever else he was doing, it was a blessing to my mom. So I called my mom and dad and said, hey, you want to go? to Helen Barth's funeral with me because they've asked me to give the eulogy, Mom, at your hero's funeral. So on Friday, we went to this most blessed experience. And uh, Al Smith's son, David, was the presiding minister there. Uh, Bert Kettinger from Moody Radio played the piano beautifully and sang. God allowed me to give a eulogy. And my mother sat there. I got to give the eulogy at the funeral of my mom's hero. It was a sacred and blessed time. But here's my point. This is the life we're talking about in Ephesians chapter 5. That says, I'm going not to, not with a meanness, not with an ugliness, I'm going to turn my back on the dark world, the dirty world, right? I'm going to turn my back on the, 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 the dangerous world, and I'm going to walk in love, and I'm going to walk in light, and I'm going to walk in wisdom. And when somebody does that, no matter who they are, even if they're a poor girl from a broken home, 
God watches over people who consecrate their lives to him. I call you to salvation today if you're not saved. Trust in Jesus. He'll change your life. And if you are, I call you to consecration to God. Give yourself fully and wholly to God. Young people, listen, decide. Even when you're young, go home, get on your knees, say, God, he had put a new song in my mouth. Even praise the Lord God. Many shall see it in fear and trust the Lord. I'm going to live for you. God, you help me. You can live in love in a dirty world. You can live in light in a dark world, and you can live in a dangerous world in wisdom and safety. God can bless you to do that. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and pray? I want to ask you now, how many of you would be here today, and you just say, Pastor, when you preach, I realize I need to be saved. Raise up your hand real high right now. When you preach, I realize I need to be saved. Raise up your hand real high. Who needs to be saved today? Let's just be open. I need to be saved. I'm not sure I have eternal life, and my sins are forgiven. Raise your hand. Anybody like that? How many of you would say, I need to rededicate my life to the Lord? I want to walk in love, want to walk in light, want to walk in wisdom. Raise your hand if you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. Many of you, bless you. I'm going to pray for you right now. We have a song to sing at the end today. No song? Yes? (laughs) I'm going to pray for you here in a moment.